0: Welcome to the election ride home for Super Tuesday, March 3rd, 2020. I'm your host, Jackson Bird, with a summary of election news. Today it's endorsement central for Biden. We take a look at the Super Tuesday forecast state by state as well as nationally. And are we seeing a battle emerge between two factions of the Democratic Party? Today is Super Tuesday, and it is 244 days until the general election. Here's what you missed today from the campaign trail. Since winning South Carolina on Saturday, Vice President Joe Biden has received over 100 endorsements, including former California Representative Barbara Boxer, former Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid, former National Security Advisor under Obama Susan Rice, lawyer and wife of the late Ted Kennedy Vicky Kennedy, former U.S. Representative and former Presidential Candidate Beto O'Rourke, and now Senator Amy Klobuchar and Pete Buttigieg. Quoting Reuters, Biden's comeback in South Carolina after poor showings in other early voting states was exactly the kind of victory that Democratic Party officials alarmed that frontrunner U.S. Senator Bernie Sanders is far too liberal to beat Trump had been craving, according to more than two dozen people who gave their endorsements or were involved behind the scenes. Reuters also points out regarding the endorsements, quote, People both inside and outside the Biden campaign said while the effort involved calls from Biden aides asking for help, most decided on their own. Said former Representative Barbara Boxer, I hadn't planned on endorsing anybody, but then I started getting worried that Bernie Sanders would become the nominee. Appearing at a rally for Joe Biden last night in Dallas, Senator Klobuchar said, If we spend the next four months dividing our party and going at each other, we will spend the next four years watching Donald Trump tear apart this country. It is up to us, all of us, to put our country back together, to heal this country, and then build something even greater. I believe we can do this together, and that is why today I am endorsing Joe Biden for president. Beto O'Rourke also appeared at the rally to announce his endorsement of Biden, saying, Tomorrow, March 3rd, 2020, I will be casting my ballot for Joe Biden. We need somebody who can beat Donald Trump. The man in the White House today poses an existential threat to this country, to our democracy, to free and fair elections, and we need somebody who can beat him. And in Joe Biden, we have someone who is the antithesis of Donald Trump. Pete Buttigieg held a separate last-minute event at a fried biscuit joint called Chicken Scratch in Dallas, where Vice President Biden appeared ahead of his rally later that evening. At the event, Buttigieg said, I'm looking for a president who will draw out the best in each of us, and I'm encouraging everybody who is a part of my campaign to join me because we have found that leader. Biden called Buttigieg not only brilliant but decent and said he reminded him of his late son Beau, saying, quote, it's the highest compliment I can give. Speaking to reporters in Houston earlier that day, Biden said of Buttigieg, quote, I indicated to him that if I became the nominee, I'd be coming and asking him to become a part of an administration. He'd be engaged in moving things forward, End quote. Meanwhile, Senator Sanders held a rally in St. Paul, Minnesota, where he praised both Buttigieg and Klobuchar and said to their supporters, quote, the door is open. Come on in. Sanders also wasn't completely left out of the endorsement fund. He was endorsed by The Nation, as well as Democracy for America, an organization that tried to get Senator Warren to run for president in 2016. However, this year, their members voted overwhelmingly for Sanders, 80% of them choosing the Vermont senator in a membership survey. Senator Warren also garnered a notable endorsement yesterday from Democratic women's organization Emily's List, who said in a statement that Warren is the best candidate to, quote, unify the Democratic Party and take on Donald Trump. Fifteen states and territories, as well as Democrats abroad, are voting today. That's a total of one thousand three hundred fifty seven delegates up for grabs just today about a third of the total 3,979 delegates. Candidates need 1,991 to win the nomination on the first ballot. To gain delegates, candidates must win at least 15% in statewide vote or congressional district. So far, 155 pledged delegates have been awarded, with 56 going to Sanders, 48 to Biden, 26 to Buttigieg, 8 to Warren, and 7 to Klobuchar. Super Tuesday is even more super than usual this year, with the state with the most delegates, California, having moved its primary up to Super Tuesday. California has 415 delegates, so it is making a huge impact. Other high-delegate states voting today include Texas, with 228 delegates, and North Carolina, with 110. Quoting the New York Times, Mr. Biden faces several big obstacles on Tuesday. First, in most states, his campaign has lagged in ground operations and TV spending. Second, Michael R. Bloomberg, the billionaire and former New York mayor, who most certainly does not have a resources problem, will compete for the first time, appearing on the ballot in all Super Tuesday states. Besides that, Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont, the frontrunner, is well-positioned in many of the states that will vote on Tuesday, including California and Texas. A few decisive victories could make his path to the nomination much clearer, although it might still be hard for him to accrue an outright majority of delegates before the convention. Senator Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts has at least one bright opportunity in her home state, though Mr. Sanders is threatening to spoil the party there. She could also pick up delegates in other crucial states, even if she falls short of winning the states themselves." End quote. Sanders has a strong lead in California, in particular due to his strong polling with Latino voters. Quoting the New York Times, He holds a commanding lead in most California polls, including a CNN poll published on Friday that put him more than 20 points ahead of his closest rival. If those numbers hold, all of his opponents will be at risk of falling short of the 15% threshold needed to claim any statewide delegates, though they could still win delegates in congressional districts. End quote. In Texas, Sanders and Biden had been polling closely at the top. However, with Biden's big endorsement party in Texas yesterday, and in particular, his endorsement from Beto O'Rourke, that could change, notes The New York Times, quote, an NBC News Marist College poll released Sunday showed Mr. Sanders leading Mr. Biden by 15 points with Mr. Bloomberg in third place. Mr. Sanders also has a formidable opponent on the left in Ms. Warren, who grew up in neighboring Oklahoma and taught at universities in Houston and Austin. She landed at 15% in a CNN poll of Texas released Friday. She was at 10% in the NBC Marist poll. End quote. Those are just two of the top states we'll be watching tonight as results start pouring in at 7 p.m. Eastern time, although California's results probably won't come in until tomorrow or even much later. This is due to a number of factors, including the popularity of mail-in ballots in California, which just have to be postmarked on Election Day, and same-day registration, with provisional ballots that won't be counted for days and weeks after the polls close. California isn't the only one a number of Super Tuesday states might be slow to report due to a myriad of factors, including, NPR points out, delegate math. Quote, each state apportions delegates differently, but in most cases, all the votes have to be tallied in order to sort out how many delegates each candidate has captured, End quote. So, with so much on the line and so much that has changed so quickly, we're all going to be on the edges of our seats tonight, but we'll have to be patient for some of the results. Kathleen Hale, director of the Institute for Election Administration Research and Practice at Auburn University, said to NPR, I think it's important for us to understand that democracy takes time. And to criticize the process for not being fast enough is vastly and fundamentally different in my view from criticizing the process for not being accurate or not being secure. The integrity of elections and the accuracy of them and public trust in them to me trumps a hard and fast reporting deadline every time. This morning, we got the latest Data for Progress poll, which is their final polling ahead of the Super Tuesday results. It was conducted in each of the Super Tuesday states from Thursday or Friday through Monday, so it's fairly reflective of the seismic changes to the election from the past few days. The margin of error varies state by state, but hovers between four and six you can see the full results at the link in the show notes. There are 14 states included, so I won't read all of the results for all of them. But Data for Progress Executive Director Sean McElwee shared the poll's predicted winners and by how much on Twitter, and those are as follows. California goes to Sanders by 7 percentage points. Texas, Biden by 2. North Carolina, Biden by 9. Virginia, Biden by 15. Massachusetts, Warren, by two. Minnesota, Sanders, by five. Colorado, Sanders, by 11. Tennessee, Biden, by seven. Alabama, Biden, by 25. Arkansas, Biden, by 13. Oklahoma, Biden, by seven. Utah, Sanders, by six. Vermont, Sanders, by 41. And Maine, Sanders by nine. I will say it's Biden versus Sanders at the top of every state in the poll, except for Massachusetts and Colorado, where Senator Warren is in first and second, respectively. Although note that most other polls show Sanders winning Massachusetts. Bloomberg comes in third place in eight states, but Warren is in third in Minnesota, Maine, Utah, and Vermont and that's in addition to her first and second place polling in Massachusetts and Colorado. Bloomberg is not in first or second in any of the states. Harry Enten on Twitter broke down the shifts for Biden and Sanders between Data for Progress's previous poll following the Nevada caucus versus the one that just came out. Enten shows that the average shift was plus 14 percentage points of support for Biden across the Super Tuesday states. Enten said, quote, I was expecting something one-third of that, so that while Biden would close, Sanders would still be favored. For South Carolina impact, this is a lot more like what happened on the GOP side in 2012. But Gingrich was not liked, and they had a week-plus to knock him down. Now, we're already at Super Tuesday. Another thing this sort of reminds me of is how fast things shifted in 2004 on the dim side after Iowa— but yeah, at this very late hour, this looks like a significantly larger shift than you'd expect on average. Something seems, seems to have clicked for Biden, end quote. Nate Silver also weighed in on Twitter in response to the Data for Progress poll, along with another one from Swayable and adding some insight from 538, quote, Interestingly, the projected winners in individual states have barely changed. Biden favored throughout the South, Sanders favored elsewhere, Texas a toss-up, But the margins have changed, Bernie not winning by as much in his best states and not preventing others from hitting 15%. In most states, we're showing three or four candidates over or equal to 15%, meaning that they'd receive statewide delegates. It's not that hard to get to 15% in a four-candidate race, even accounting for some votes going for dropped-out candidates as the model does. Keep in mind that even these new polls aren't really recent enough to account for Biden's spate of endorsements last night, which one imagines could move some Bloomberg voters to Biden. End quote. If you're curious about projections ahead of state results coming in tonight, I would suggest keeping an eye on real clear politics, as well as 538, who has state win probabilities for each candidate frozen for the day to give an accurate look at pre-Super Tuesday projections. Let's take a look at things nationally, however. As I mentioned yesterday, Morning Consult had a new poll out giving one of our first looks at national voter sentiments after Biden's huge win in South Carolina. However, they polled likely Democratic primary voters on Sunday, March 1st, so this was most likely before Buttigieg and definitely before Klobuchar had dropped out. At this point, there has surely been some movement, but this poll broke things down demographically and sentiment-wise in ways that I think will still lend some insight into what we might see in tonight's results. Before the South Carolina primary, Morning Consults polling had Bernie Sanders in the lead with 32% of support and Joe Biden in second with 19%. After the South Carolina primary, Sanders dropped three points down to 29%, and Joe Biden rose seven points to 26%, putting the two candidates just three percentage points away from one another as compared to a previously over 10-point gap. The poll has a margin of error of two points. Quoting Morning Consult, Sanders saw his first-choice support shrink among black voters, leaving him in a tie with Biden at 31%. Among Hispanic voters who will play a prominent role in Tuesday's contests in Texas and California, Biden's first-choice support increased nine points to 21%, though he still trailed far behind Sanders, who has more than twice that share of support with the voting bloc. End quote. On the topic of where Buttigieg's supporters will fall, Morning Consult asked respondents for their second choices in a poll before the South Carolina primary. In that poll, his supporters were split among Sanders, Biden, Bloomberg, and Warren. But in this latest post-South Carolina poll, his supporters have consolidated a little bit more around Vice President Biden, with 30% of them picking him as their second choice. Continuing from Morning Consult, quote, A third of Democratic primary voters said they think Biden has the best chance of beating Trump, up 16 points from polling conducted after his losses in the Nevada caucuses and the New Hampshire primary. 31% of Democratic primary voters said Sanders is the most electable, down three points since his Nevada victory. Each of those surveys of Democratic primary voters had a three-point margin of error, end quote. So even before Steyer, Buttigieg, and Klobuchar dropped out, potentially consolidating moderate voters behind Biden, his South Carolina victory on its own had started changing the game in his favor. He's not winning the national polls, but it is a remarkable change. Meanwhile, 538's primary forecast has had some major changes— In terms of each candidate's chances of winning more than half of pledged delegates, the forecast at the time of recording still has no one with the best odds, as it has for much of the campaign. However, in terms of the candidate's chances of winning a plurality of delegates, the 538 primary forecast currently has Biden at the top with two in three odds, 63%. Sanders is down to 34% odds, Bloomberg 1%, and Warren less than 1%. With all of the movement behind Vice President Biden over the last few days, it definitely seems like we are on the precipice of a big Democratic Party showdown. Ryan Lizza, writing for Politico, says, quote, Inside the Democratic Party, there's a debate not unlike the one that divides the two main parties about the breadth of change that Washington should pursue. The Democrats' moderate wing, which is now anchored behind older black voters in the South, remains deeply skeptical of Sanders-style socialism, while the new-new left, powered by young radicals in big cities, is repelled by the incrementalism of Biden. This divide between Sanders' and Biden's bases might not be easily bridgeable, and if a clear delegate winner fails to emerge, the party's convention in Milwaukee could be as messy as anything since 1968 when supporters of anti-war candidate Eugene McCarthy took to the streets to protest the establishment-led victory of Vice President Hubert Humphrey. How the eventual nominee wins the nod and how he or she handles the inevitable bruised feelings in the other camp will matter more this year than it has in decades. End quote. Jonathan Martin and Alexander Burns, writing for the New York Times, said, Interviews with more than 100 Democratic elected officials, campaign strategists, union leaders, and donors revealed a party establishment that spent many months distressed about the implications of nominating Mr. Sanders, but frozen in a state of anxiety over who would be the best alternative. Many of the most influential officials, organizations, and donors in the party remain torn between their concern about Mr. Sanders' chance in the general election. Their fear of antagonizing his supporters, and their belated and often rueful recognition that he has assembled a political movement with appeal well beyond the youthful left wing base he built in 2016. Top Democrats now believe that there are only two realistic paths forward in the presidential race a dominant victory on Tuesday by Mr. Sanders that gives him a wide lead in the delegate count, or a battle for delegates over months of primary elections that might allow Mr. Biden to pull ahead or force the nomination to be decided at the Milwaukee Convention in July, end quote. Lizza continues in Politico, Super Tuesday will test whether establishment Democrats effectively learned the lessons of 2016. Back then, the Republican Party was being taken over by an outsider whipping up populist forces against the elected leadership. A large field of candidates and a divided opposition failed to confront the intruder by rallying around a single narrative. Democrats this year seem to be on the same course. In fact, almost every important rule change the party made since 2016 inadvertently made an insurgent takeover easier. But on Sunday and Monday, it was revealed that a national party, even one that is decentralized and leaderless, can still coordinate around a single presidential candidate when it faces what a large majority of elected officials view as a threat. Will that coordination unambiguously help Biden, or will it engender a backlash against the party's elites and benefit Sanders, at least in some places? End quote. Like twenty sixteen, this is at least a challenge to the parties decide thesis. Greg Sargent, writing for the Washington Post, explains the thesis as quote, even though primaries are decided by voters, party actors, elected officials, former officials who still command respect, activists, organizers, interest groups, hold great sway over voter behavior, and by extension, the nominating process through endorsements and other forms of elite signaling. End quote. David Carroll, the original co-author of The Party Decide's thesis, told Sargent that the party can fail to decide either by failing to act—that is, by failing to coalesce around one candidate, as happened to the Republican Party in 2016—or they can coalesce but fail to deliver. Sargent points to numerous reasons why this is a real possibility, including Sanders's extremely committed base, fundraising success, and social media influence. Further, Sargent says, though Biden remains popular and well-liked inside the party, he has been, quote, shaky and unpredictable. Indeed, that's precisely why the party mostly held back from trying to decide, to give other credible moderates a shot at getting airborne. And that helped Sanders rack up early wins, potentially enabling him to amass an insurmountable delegate lead after Super Tuesday. And then there's former New York Mayor Mike Bloomberg, whose truly enormous expenditures in Super Tuesday states could still have an unpredictable impact, possibly pulling votes from Biden. Yes, if Bloomberg flames out on Super Tuesday, you could see more endorsements stampeding to Biden and a possible Bloomberg withdrawal. But if Biden falls well short on Super Tuesday or rolls out another wobbly debate performance, the coalescing could slow down. End quote. We will see how things continue to play out as results start coming in later today. Even with some states reporting taking a while, things have been moving so quickly that I don't doubt developments will be continuing to pour in, and I will have the latest on whatever happens for you tomorrow. And that is the election roundup for the day. If you live in one of the 15 states or territories that is voting today, I hope you get out and vote if you haven't already. And always, you can find Election Ride Home on Twitter at Election Podcast or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Election Ride Home. Thank you all for listening and have a great Super Tuesday.